Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lit AF Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Cohan, and I'm so excited to have you back here this week for our spiritual and personal growth conversations for the recovering insecure attachment type. That's me. Hopefully that's you. We're all in great company. And uh, you know what? We're on our journey to healing, and that's all we can do. Truly, that's all we can do. So you're in the right place. I'm so excited to have you here. And today's episode features Dana Augustine, who is an astrologer. And today we get into an astro update. She shares about her hot take on astrology, how she uses it as a tool in her life. And then we get into addiction and codependency, which was super fun. Of course, we can't not talk about sobriety when we're saying those words. So we end with an exploration of the joys of sobriety, which is so fun. Before we get into the episode... I always do a little weekly check-in so I can share with you what's what's going on in my life. And what's going on in my life is that currently, as I'm recording, I am 21 weeks pregnant. That is a lie. That's a lie. I'm 31 weeks pregnant. <laughs> and I was going to talk to you about pregnant brain. We're not going to play the pregnant brain drinking game. We played that two weeks ago <laughs> during Avery Fawcett's episode. So if you want to play the pregnant brain drinking game, head over to that episode. But no, today, in fact, I am like putting some pieces together on the pregnant brain. I wanted to share what I'm learning about in my final stages of pregnancy. So pregnant brain is real. I literally can't remember many things. And it's hard for me to like put pieces together. Short-term memory sucks. Long-term memory is like kind of still there, but it's getting worse and worse to be quite honest. And I remember hearing one of my friends talking about our other friend who's had two babies saying that by the time she got to the end of her pregnancy, it was almost like you were having a conversation with her and you're like, dude, are you even here? So I almost feel like the, the, the pregnant brain is just like going deeper and deeper kind of into your body and into your situation of being pregnant and building a life within your body, which is a miracle and takes a lot of work, even though you're not cognizant or conscious of it whatsoever. And the pregnant brain is also a tool to learn how to get support from partners, from my community, from all of the above. Now, this is not an idea that I came up with on my own. I am reading Transformed by Birth by Britta Bushnell. I'm loving this as a book because she's like, yo, straight up throw that birth plan out the door, okay? There's no such thing as a birth plan in birth, which I love. Like you want to have concepts. I think you want to have like intentions, which I love, you know, she's got like a mood board and like all these things, which I love. She talks about how this stage of pregnancy and also the birth stage of pregnancy is a huge turning point for parents, like transformation. And part of that transformation is learning how to accept help. And that has been the biggest learning lesson of this entire pregnancy for me. Growing up, oh, dude, I come from a long 
line of women that don't want to accept help. My grandma sucked at it. <laughs> we all just wanted to help her. It was really, really, really hard. My mom's a little bit better. And I feel like I've kind of, I'm carrying on my grandma's tradition. Love you, Grammy. Hope you're listening to this from the astral plane. The tradition of doing it yourself, right? Like she grew up in like uh, Cold War era and like the depression. And it was just a lot of like bootstraps, you know, that whole phrase. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So this period of time in my life is really helping me learn how to break free of this pattern. And who knew that the pregnant brain was another tool to learn how to accept help? Because um, I can't keep it all together. I literally cannot keep it straight. And so I need others to help me do that. And I'm noticing this not only in my relationship and just like things that we have to do around the house, but also in my work life, in my friend life, and definitely in my family life. And I still have two months to go. Maybe. We'll see. You know, that's just a due date that people make up. So I have no idea. Can't imagine how much worse it's going to (laughs) get. I'm sure it'll get a lot worse. And I'm just going to have to rely on others to help me through, which is so scary, right? Oh my God, it's a loss of control. And it's a lot of vulnerability, which as a fearful avoidant leading dismissive avoidant recovering, that can be really, really hard. So that's my learning journey this week. It's, um, yeah, it's tough. It's meaningful. And I'm excited to be on this journey. All the things. All right. That is it for me. Today's check-in. Thank you all for participating in last week's giveaway of the Semaine Health gift box. I'm so excited for the winner. Their PMS period life is about to change. So thank you. Thank you to Semaine Health for giving us this wonderful gift. And thank you all for playing along. It was such a fun game. And um, I heard a lot of follicular phases. So the, the question on Instagram was, tell me your favorite menstrual phase. And I think the number one was follicular, which is amazing. I mean, that's it's right after menstruation. It's kind of like calm after the storm. Like I get it. I love that. So congrats to follicular. You're well loved. <laughs> And uh, thank you again for everyone for participating. That was super, super fun. And I'm sure that we'll have another giveaway soon. So keep, keep, uh, I'll keep you posted. All right. I'm excited to get into this week's episode with Dana. Here we go. Welcome to Lit AF. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hi, everybody. I am Dana um, of Self-Help Witch. I'm an astrologer, and I like to call myself a self-awareness advocate. I just really love using astrology and helping other people with astrology to get to know who they are on a deeper level so that you know they can live lives they're excited about and just feel more fulfilled. So that's kind of what I'm all about. I love that. And I was the lucky recipient of a reading from Dana last year. Last summer, which I 
it's funny looking back at last summer. It was such a different time in my life, but she's amazing. And I'm so excited to have you on the show. So I would love to just kick it off with an astro update. What's going on in the cosmos right now when this airs? Yes. So we've got some big movements with Mars coming up over the next several months. So when this airs, Mars will be at the final degrees of Taurus which is not a great place for Mars. We'll have had some crunchy astrology in August. So at the beginning of August, and I'm saying this even though it's already happened because it's nice to look back and see what actually happened once the astro kind of happens, right? So August 1st, we've got Mars conjunct Uranus in the North Node. It hasn't happened yet as we're recording. I'm a little, (laughs) I'm going to keep my eyes peeled around this time. So as y'all are listening, just think back to kind of what was coming up around this time. That's probably culminating right now as Mars gets ready to leave Taurus. But the news for us moving forward is that Mars will be in Gemini from August 20th to March 25th, 2023. That's a long ass time. And it's not bad or good. It just is something to be aware of, right? It's good actually for Mars to not be in Taurus anymore because that's not a great spot for Mars. Taurus is a Venus ruled sign. And anytime Mars is in a Venus ruled sign, it's just like the opposite. It's like the antithesis of Mars. So it's not going to be a comfortable situation. So we should feel better come August 20th with all things Martian, like our will, our competitive spirit, our um, drive to do things and and be out in the world, right? We should feel a little relief, but you'll want to pay attention to the part of your chart that contains Mars over these next several months. And I use whole sign, uh, the whole sign house system. So if you use Placidus, you know, you can do that too. I think it makes it a little more complicated. With whole sign, one sign contains one house rather than you know, with Placidus, you might have Gemini in like two different houses, right? Mm, I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And and most of the programs default to Placidus. So that's probably what you're using mm. if you, you know, are just like going and looking at the transits. So I recommend looking at whole sign for that. Anyway, you'll just want to pay attention to that part of your chart. Uh, so for example, if you are a uh, Gemini rising, that's your first house of self. So over these next several months, there's probably going to be a rethinking, a reviewing of how you want to exist in the world, right? Like how you want to go forth and who you want to be because we're talking about the house of self. Uh, So that's why it's important to look at the house because that's what's actually telling you like how the energy is going to show up in your life. And those dates again are August 20th to March 25th. I do have some like key dates in that like really long (laughs) time period though. Oh, sweet. So Mars is going to station retrograde on Halloween on October 31st. Yes. Yes. So that'll be interesting. A good time to actually, you know, because it's sowing, because it's like kind of a time of like preparing for winter anyway, that might be a really good moment to think about, to to begin the review process uh, that Mars retrograde is going to be bringing up for us anyway. Like I would definitely set aside some time around that time to think about how this energy has shown up so far in whatever house Gemini falls in for you. What's up for review? So it'll be retrograde until January 13th, 2023, and then it won't leave until March 25th. So Mm. Good time to pay attention to what's going on in the house that contains Gemini for you. Mars and Gemini is super curious. It wants to know everything. It's very talkative. It wants to have a lot of conversation. So it's a good time to externally process. You know, it's a good time to have a like a thinking partner to kind of help you work through whatever's coming up for you and uh, how your ambitions are changing. Mm, wow. 
That's huge. It is. And it's going to be happening for a while. So it's definitely one to pay attention to. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. And remind me, a retrograde, it's kind of like a, I've heard it's like a review, basically. Can you say a little bit more about what's happening there? Yes. So retrogrades are going to be all things with the prefix RE, like review, revise. So it's a good time for editing things. And I think Mars already, like Mars has the energy of cutting. So there's already some of that with a Mars energy, some like cutting of things, cord cutting ceremonies on sowing, like chef's kiss, that would be like really good. So yes, a a retrograde is just, it's causing us to pause and kind of take stock and tweak and edit a little bit. Love that. Always love that. Can't wait. (laughs) You know, I think we're always scared of retrogrades because of like the memes (laughs) about Mercury retrograde, but they're so natural. It's good for us to stop and take stock and say, all right, what the hell's going on here? And just kind of like get the lay of the land so we can move forward a little more aligned. So it's not something to be afraid of. It's just something to pay attention to. Gotcha. Okay. I love that because I can get so, um, I can use, I will just admit, I use astrology sometimes to like get a little afraid. (laughs) Totally. I do too. I do too. It's natural. Especially if you have an anxious mind. I think it's so natural to do. Totally. But you know, I always look back in 20, what was that? 2020 with a grand conjunction. Was that what it's called? Grand junction? I can't remember the name of it. But yeah. Grand conjunction. Everyone, yeah. grand conjunction. Everyone was freaking out. It was just like very apocalyptic vibe from like the, all the astrologers and all the world, and and nothing happened. Well, I'm sure that something did happen, but we're, that ripple effect, like I haven't felt the immediate effect of that ripple effect quite yet. And so it's like you know, I, I always look at that example as like, yo, dude, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be alright. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of the time with that big astrology, you know, it's more of like a a, a big like a macro thing. Like it will yeah. affect you if you have placements in that spot or or aspecting that. So like if you've got Gemini placements, you are going to something's gonna happen. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a scary way, of course, but just like. If you've got placements there or in any of the air signs, you're probably going to notice this a bit more than other people. Mm, I love that. Okay. Good luck to you all. Whoever's listening. <laughs> God bless. With Gemini's. Yeah. Good luck to you. <laughs> call me. Call me in March. It'll be great. <laughs> it's funny because I am six and a half months pregnant, almost seven months pregnant. So I will literally be figuring out how to be a mom during this entire placement. So I'm like... I'm excited for me. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to like gather my community to like talk about what you're saying. Like make sure you're like communicating, like speak out loud. How the fuck to do that next chapter? Because I don't know. <laughs> you got this. You'll be ready. You got it. Thank you. Yeah, I will be ready. Exactly. But for right now, I'm just incubating. So taking my time. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So good luck to everyone out there. It's going to be fun. Okay. So Dana, when you did my reading, I loved how it was, you really explained my chart to me in a way that like no other astrologer has done before. So you were like, this is your rising. This is your sun. I don't remember if we really went into North node. We probably did. But then you really talked about how Jupiter was like uh, an important thing in my chart. So I would love to just hear kind of like, what is your focus? I feel like every astrologer is different. Like they've got their thing that they're focused on and, and, and how they see astrology kind of fitting into their life. So I'd just love to hear what's your focus on astrology and, and what's your take on it really? 
Oh, it's a good question. And you're right. There are so many perspectives when it comes to what astrology is and how it should be used. I've formally studied Hellenistic astrology, which is Greek astrology. So it's really like the oldest texts we have on how astrology has been used. And that perspective is less about the psychological and more about the um, the karmic context of your life. Um, so Whereas like modern astrologers, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely use astrology from a psychological point of view, which we'll probably talk more about. But I really like about the Hellenistic perspective that it emphasizes that you are not your chart. So it's actually a lot more expansive, I think, to think about it that way, because it's telling you the context of your life and some of the themes and some of the energy that are going to get brought up that you're going to encounter and work with. And my perspective is like, this is what your soul wanted to work with. And some astrologers maybe don't have like so much of a spiritual take on things, but that is my view on how this works. Like these are things that we came here to experience. Why? Who the fuck knows? But as we live our lives, our chart reveals itself more to us. And it really just takes living your life, right? For it to kind of unfold and make sense to you. So I, I like to use it as a means of, of, self-understanding and self-reflection. And Mm. when I give a reading, you know, it's always like specific to the person and what they're looking for. Like if they're just looking for like, I'd like to understand my chart more, it might be a more like kind of overall reading of like, here's what I see in your chart. I always look at the ruling planet of the first house because that is a really important planet in your chart. It's known as the helm. Uh, Well, your first house is known as the helm, like the steering wheel of the ship. So the planet that is in charge of that house that rules that sign of that house, like what's your rising sign again, Sarah? I forgot. It's uh, Sagittarius. Okay. So that's why Jupiter is so important for you because Sagittarius is a Jupiter ruled sign. So wherever Jupiter is in your chart, it's going to give us a lot of information about the direction you're headed in your life. So like always, that's something I look at, but But depending on what someone wants to know about, that will kind of guide me and help me pick out other things that are important to look at. I love that. How did you find astrology? Oh, well, we're going to take it way back. I'm going to give you an answer that might seem like (laughs) totally unrelated. We'll get there. I promise. I'm Um, ready. So I had actually moved back to St. Louis from California in 2017. And between 2017 and 2019, life was real shitty. It was really hard, a really hard adjustment to move from San Diego to St. Louis. Regretted it uh, quite a Mm. bit, wanted out, felt very restricted. And this was happening during my Saturn return, um, which if anybody listening isn't familiar, a Saturn return is when Saturn returns to, to the same place in your chart that it was when you were born. So for me, I was born with Saturn in Capricorn. And so when Saturn returned to Capricorn in the current time, that was when my Saturn return began. Now, some people will say it's when Saturn's exactly where your natal Saturn is. You're probably going to feel it more acutely at that time. But I think that whole time that Saturn's in the same sign where your natal Saturn is, you're going to experience the Saturn Mm. return stuff, (laughs) which is It's like adulting 101. It's like a lot of restriction, a lot of responsibility, a lot of discipline required. And I certainly felt that. Um, My Saturn's in my fourth house of home. So I literally moved home where I had much more responsibility. I'm a teacher and the school I was working at was really challenging, like the hardest school I've ever worked at. And I just felt really 
restricted in life. It was it was just a really challenging time. So this kind of culminated in 2019 where I had a blackout, a drinking blackout, which was like oh. not uncommon for me. I, I did that a lot, but I was in Chicago with my friends and it was a really like, it was different. I don't know how to explain it, except that I had this realization that like, if I weren't with the people I knew, like I could have easily died. Like anything could have happened to me. I just was in a strange city and I woke up in a hotel room and I had no idea how. And even though that had happened to me so many times before, I just was like, what the fuck was that? You know, it felt different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I quit drinking and that was like a huge, it was something I never thought I would do. Mm. Like I would literally tell people that drinking was a part of my culture. Mm, Wow. 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 Been there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I just, but I had no choice. I felt like I had no choice. And so I was like terrified to do that, but I did it because I, I knew that that lifestyle wasn't working for me anymore. And as I did that, I started to finally have the capacity to understand why I was so unhappy. Um, I was unhappy my whole life and I never knew why. That's why I moved across the country twice. That's why I ended an engagement. That's why I changed careers several times. I couldn't figure out why I was unsatisfied. And when I stopped drinking, I was finally like, oh, I was like drinking a depressant every fucking day. Like, okay, I'm, (laughs) that's part of it. And I also came to realize over the next several months after I stopped drinking that I didn't know myself at all. And that's kind of where codependency came into the picture, um, which I'm sure we'll talk more about too. But I came to astrology to finally answer your question. When I had that moment of realization, I kind of went on like a fitness journey after I quit drinking and I, I reached like a weight goal that I was like trying to reach my whole life. And when I got there, I distinctly remember like looking at myself and being like, I don't care at all about this. <laughs> like That's this so is, funny. <laughs> I just... I realized it wasn't for me, you know, it was like for some kind, someone else. It was, Mm -hmm. I wanted people to like validate me or whatever. And so that freaked me out because I was in therapy. I was like, I'm, I quit drinking. Like I'm taking care of myself. Why am I unhappy? So I needed something at that time that would help me understand myself without the presence of someone else. Because I, I was worried because I knew that everything I was doing was for validation that even with a therapist, like I might not be honest. I might mm. say what I think they want me to say. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I came to astrology for that reason. It seemed like a modality that could help me reconnect to a truth about myself without the presence of another person. Wow. That's huge. And so where, like, how did you find out about it? I'm so curious. Like, was it friend? Usually it's yes. a friend, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I have a friend. Um, she had shown me my birth chart really, I think in 2017 when I moved home, but, and I was curious about it, but for whatever reason, I didn't really dig deeper at that time. I think there was a little bit of like intimidation, like, oh my God, this is so complicated. How could I ever understand this? And I also maybe wasn't ready for it. Like, I don't know if I was in a place to accept the wisdom of it at that time. I get that. I, someone told me about human design like six years ago and I, (laughs) I remember being in the backseat of my friend's car being like, I love systems and then put it down and never thought about it again. And like (laughs) six years later, I was like, I'm obsessed. (laughs) I can't stop talking about it. Now I like know more about it than that friend, which is 
so funny. <laughs> so I get it. We, you, you know, so we have to be ready, right? We have to be ready. So it sounds to me like, first of all, congrats on your sobriety journey. That's incredible. I just want to honor that. It's so hard to turn the tides, especially when it's so, so much a part of your identity. So that's fucking huge. And it sounds like to me, like uh, astrology was giving you this autonomy in your own healing journey of like, putting the pieces together and kind of like seeing the patterns and being able to recognize what was going on. Does that, does that sound true? Absolutely. Um, you know, at the time my therapist, God bless him. I'm not with him anymore. He was wonderful, but I would tell him like, something's missing. And he'd be like, you're doing great. It's okay. And I'm like, no dude, like (laughs) something is missing. (laughs) And the thing that was missing was like my relationship to myself. I didn't know how to cultivate that, but Yeah, I think autonomy is a great word for it because it gave me the language to name things myself, which was like, that was very like alchemical in Mm, my healing. Amazing. So huge. Well, I am so glad that it came to you in the way that it did at the time that it did. (laughs) So I'm curious, how do you use astrology then now? Like, actually, I'd love to hear kind of your, your journey with it because I'm sure it's different now than in what it used to be. How do you use it as a tool in your own life? Yeah. So I'll say kind of like how it started, because I think that this is sort of common. I wanted to know everything. Like I wanted to inhale the chart. I wanted all of it to make sense to me immediately. And that kind of led to like a really long research rabbit hole, probably like a month. And I realized eventually that like, that's not how it works. Like you can't, get a deep understanding by cookbooking like Google keywords. It, ta- it takes time and it takes lived experience. So I continued to study it. I joined a few communities. I was like an astrology hub or something. And then I found my teacher who I ended up taking a class with. His name's Achuta Baba. He does nightlight astrology on YouTube. He does like a, a video every day about the transits. And that was a really cool way for me to start learning more because he like actually teaches about the planets and the signs as he's telling you about the transit. So I started really like learning a lot from him. And that's when I decided to about six months after I discovered him, I decided to take his course. And my relationship to astrology definitely like evolved between then and now. Uh, I would say now I use it really is like a mindfulness practice. It's funny because for me, it it can very easily switch to like triggering my anxiety. If like, for example, we're talking about this Mars stuff happening August 1st, like I'm nervous about that. I'm not going to lie, but it can become a mindfulness practice when I remember like what we were talking about earlier, which is like, first of all, all, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Like no matter what, no matter what, it's going to be fine. And Nothing is happening to you. It's happening for you. So even if something really hard comes up during this time, like it probably was, it it just was meant to, right? Like, so there's no point worrying about it. There's no point being scared. So in that way, like I kind of do go back and forth between being anxious about it and being mindful about it. But I love to approach it as like, here's what's going on. How is that showing up for me? And using that as a point of entry for like my self-reflection practice. That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) So we kind of touched on earlier about like looking at it as the past tense versus like forward facing. How do you grapple with that when you're using it as your own tool? Well, I will say that that kind of reflective astrology 
I that helped me heal so much because I realized, you know, as I was really digging into astrology, my Saturn return was still happening, but it had already mostly happened. So I realized as I was beginning my like really deep research, oh, like the day that I quit drinking, the day I had that blackout, Pluto and Saturn were conjunct. And that was when I was like, oh my God, what else can I learn from looking at the really intense stuff that's happened, right? The things that have really mm. impacted me and my, really the trauma that I've experienced. So I look back on some other things like my parents got divorced. I look back at that time period. I looked back at uh, some hard stuff that happened with friends and just anything that I could think of that I felt like was affecting me today. I kind of looked back at that general time frame and I think every single time I found something where I was like, there it is. I can see it. And so it validated my experience, number one. But number two, it gave me a language for like, here's what this was bringing up for me. Here's how this affected me. And so it was very healing to do that. That's incredible. That is, I love the... I love the going back and being like, where's the pattern? What is the pattern here? It's so powerful. It's incredible. It helps you get to know the planets now too, because if you can see how they showed up then, then you have a better idea of, you know, what they might do later. Right. And understand that like, yeah, eventually this might be hard now, but I might learn from this in the future. That's kind of how I like to frame it. Absolutely. (laughs) How I cope. It's going to be okay. We're all in this together. Um, Okay. So I'm curious, does codependency live in the chart somewhere specific? So I'll tell you where I noticed it for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a Libra Libra rising and Libra is ruled by Venus. So for me, just knowing about Libras in general, these are people who care about diplomacy, about the give and take, about relating. And it just seemed really obvious to me that the shadow of that could be codependency. And so that's kind of an entry point for me. I would I would look at Venus as a potential indicator, but there's so many things in the chart that could point to that. It's kind of hard to say like there's one thing. Um, I do think Libra placements, we tend to be a little more like focused on the other. I think also if you have a lot of energy in your seventh house, that's the house of other the other as well, your close partners, you might just tend to focus more on other people than you do yourself. Those are two places or two placements that I would I would look at to see, but it really just depends. You know, there's so many ways the chart can kind of show up that it's hard to say for sure. Totally. But I, I love hearing kind of where it could be so you can start to play with that, right? And and see where it's shown up for you and at certain key moments, right? Like you're describing, going back to very specific moments. <laughs> I'm just picturing like what moments would I pick, particularly pick for my codependency? And I'm like, oh, the day I forgot to set a boundary. By forgot, I mean couldn't because I was too afraid because I want people <laughs> to like me. <laughs> And then that was like every day for me. So like, how do you even (laughs) like constantly I was doing that? Yeah. So it would have to be something consistent. (laughs) Oh, too good. Um, Okay. So what's been your own, I I love talking about codependency. It's some as a fearful, but recovering fearful, but it's so sorry, subconscious. I'm speaking to you. (laughs) It's something that I deal with on the daily and so many different insecure attachment types deal with this. So, and you know what, just people socialized as women. So I'm just going to say that. So I'd love for listeners to hear your story about codependency because it's super powerful. So let's just start there. My experience in my family was 
codependent. And I never had the language for that, but I felt that I had to be focused on everybody else's well-being in my home. I was the oldest. Uh, and so I would see my mom, the oldest of four children. So I would see wow. my mom kind of struggling with, and not that my mom's an amazing person, amazing parent. She's ever listening to this, but <laughs> we love you, mom. We love you so much, but you know, <laughs> she had four kids and that shit's a lot. So, um, I, I took on the feeling of needing, like, feeling like I needed to help her for better or for worse. Um, there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of drinking and, I think that's just a natural breeding ground for codependency. I mean, it's like textbooks. So growing up, I also was bullied. You know, I was, mm. it was hard for me to make friends. I felt like an outcast. Now, you know, looking back, I wonder how much of that I did to myself. And I was just afraid of oh. what other people would think of me. But for what one reason or another, I always felt like I had to be one step ahead of other people. I was thinking about what other people were thinking about me. It was like I was born codependent or something. I don't know where it came from, but always I was like this, just very self-aware in social situations to the point where it was debilitating. I felt like I couldn't be myself. And so that continued through my whole life. And as I mentioned earlier, like I never really knew what I wanted to do with my life. And it really bothered me that I, I felt so unsure about every facet of my life. Like I majored in um, English and became an English teacher and I never really cared that much about it. Like it just was like the path of least resistance. And I knew that, but I didn't know what else to do. So it, it just was the way that I lived my life it, up until this time where I stopped drinking. And that was when I found the language of codependency. I read this book called Anxious to Please, Seven Habits for the chronically nice. And so these authors of this book, they didn't tell, they didn't, I don't think they use the word codependent. They might've mentioned it. Like you might've heard this phrase before as codependency, but they called it like being a nice person. And I was like, oh my God, that is me. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and so from there, I, I just started to notice all the ways that I was sabotaging my own life and not paying attention to what I wanted because I was so tuned into everybody else. I remember like one thing in particular from that book was they were talking about in relationships, when you put people on a pedestal, you suffocate the relationship because you don't give this person the opportunity to be who they are. And you are in love with something they're not. You're in oh. love with a static version of themselves. Totally. Uh, um, and I, it clicked for me that that, had, that was the reason none of my relationships in the past had worked out. I thought there was something wrong with me. And I guess there was kind of <laughs> like I was codependent, but, um, you know, I just thought I was like doomed to fail in every relationship. And it was actually like a behavior that I could change, a perspective that I could change. So really for me, it, I would not have been able to begin the recovery process from codependency had I not stopped drinking because drinking was was numbing me to the point where I couldn't even face these things. I, I couldn't even be present enough to name them. But once I was able to do that, to stop drinking so that I could be present with myself and get th these tools like astrology and books and therapy, like the pieces started kind of coming together for me. That's incredible. And would you say, I'm so curious, like what was the journey? Like was astrology helping you name feelings and realize what was going on to feel safe in order to be able to start to 
confront codependency or was it the other way around? I'd love to hear more about how did it all fit together. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing was understanding the rising sign for me because I'm a Pisces sun and I never really identified with that, which I don't know, might be a whole other conversation. I think that's an experience a lot of people have, but I was, I realized once I started learning about the rising sign that I was in the shadow of Libra and I was, I was trying to be what I thought other people wanted to be, wanted me to be. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe I don't identify with my sun sign because I'm not in touch with my truth. I'm trying to be what other, what I think other people I'm assuming, which is like textbook codependency. Like I'm just pretending (laughs) what I think other people want me to be. So it kind of started there. And then like a defining feature in my chart is I have like a Pisces stellium and that's where you have like three or more planets in the same place and a Gemini stellium. So these like placements, they were squaring each other, which creates tension and friction. So this is the difference between like my sensey inside feelings feeling at odds with my desire to want to like have friends and be social and feeling like I couldn't be myself around people. So I think that dynamic in my chart specifically helped me kind of understand why I never felt comfortable with other people, despite the fact that I desperately, desperately wanted close friendships. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Is it fearful avoidant? Like, that's all we want. We're, I mean, I just want closeness and I'm so scared of it, right? And I push it away. And I just, it's this dichotomy. It's so interesting. So I love that you're sharing about not identifying with your rising sun. I'd love to, or sorry, your sun, not your rising sun. That doesn't, that's not even a thing. (laughs) Rising sun. (laughs) Your rising sun. Um, I'd love to hear more about that because I have a feeling a lot of listeners resonate with that. Yeah. So I think there's a few parts to talk about with this. The first is that a lot of our, um, the sun sign astrology we might read is like cookbook, right? It's like putting keywords together. And so it might not resonate with you for that reason, because it's maybe not specific enough to you. Um, I think that looking at the house that your son is in is very, very helpful because that is going to tell you where it, again, what area of life, um, this planet's energy will show up for you. So for example, my son is in my sixth house. The sixth house is the house of work, of labor, of uh, service, and of health. And my life has been really like, work has been a huge theme in my life and like what I'm doing for work. And that's always been really important to me, um, kind of figuring that out. So that was one thing that helped me a lot was like, like thinking about the house and how that energy might be coming through in the house. Um, and the other thing is that your son is just one part of you and you kind of grow into it sometimes. I think it's rare that people will right off the bat identify with their sun sign. It's something that you have to like, you live your life and you start to see these are the themes that are playing out. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about with the Hellenistic approach that it's not just about you. It's about the the context of your life. And when we're talking about the sun, we're talking about the big themes of your life Um, or solar figures. So this could be like an important male in your life. It could be just an important sort of like father figure, perhaps, Um, or maybe none of those. Right. But these are potential ways that 
it can show up for you. So I think it's about expanding how we look at the sun. It's about looking at where it is in your chart specifically and what en other energy is present in your chart that might be like infusing itself with your sun sign. Mm, interesting. And then say more about the rising sign. Cause that, when I found out about it, it took me a while. Like I'd known about my son for a long time. As soon as I found out about my rising sign, I was like, Oh, I identify way more with that. So I'm curious, like what's, what's up with that? Okay. So your rising sign, I think is one of the most misunderstood. And again, like we've all got different point of views, but the way I've studied it, you know, the ascendant and the descendant axis, this is the horizon line. So the ascendant is where the sun was rising when you were born or the, the Eastern horizon, I should say. And the descendant was the Western horizon degree and sign. So if you take it from like a spiritual point of view, it's where the sun, the I should say the lightness and the darkness meet. So it's this sort of like hermetic point where matter and spirit meet. That's another way I think about the sun and the moon that I think is really helpful. The sun is like your spirit and the moon is, uh, it's matter, which is to say your body or your embodied experience. So when darkness and light are meeting at the ascendant degree, this is where your spirit comes into matter. So it's really how you are presenting in the world. So it's so much more than like the mask you wear, your ego. It's really, to me, it's not your ego at all. It's how you are, um, how your spirit is presenting in the world. Mm. Um, if that makes like sense. As matter in the flesh is a, as a person. Correct. Yes. Your personality. Oh, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Cause yeah. Cause I like very much identify with the Sag rising, like very outgoing, you know, love to party, like <laughs> all of those things. And none of those things are really in the Virgo sun. So I was kind of like, yeah, sure. I'm, you know, like to be organized and tidy. And, you know, I've heard that Virgos are like the, um, they're they're keeping the records right of all the like in agrarian times like they were keeping the records for like the farming and keeping note of like what's working what's not working so that, like we can keep humanity moving forward yes i do all those things but i like to have fun when i'm doing it and that is like not really in the virgo description right well, yeah. you know, Virgo's a Mercury ruled sign. So I don't think fun is like off the table for Virgos okay. because Mercury is a trickster. It likes to joke mm. around and it likes to be funny. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's a little more expansive than we uh, give it credit for sometimes. I love that. Yeah. And clearly like way more nuanced. So many more layers. Yeah. I love that you can like dig as deep as you want to in, in astrology. Like you can really go for it. And forever, forever and ever. And that's why, you know, when I first went on this like really deep research, I was like, this is not going to work because I will be learning about this forever. And that's the great thing about it too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it'll just keep going and going and going. That's amazing. I'm curious with readings, like what have you seen readers or even, you can even just speak about your own experience. Like what have they taken away and like changed in their life after a reading? Oh, that's a great question. And honestly, it's hard to say because like I do offer a 15 minute follow-up call with readings, but to be honest, most people don't take me up on that. I'm not sure mm. why. Um, They're like, I I've got it. I'm in deep in my own chart now. <laughs> like, Bye. Um, yeah. So it's, it's hard to say, but you know, just based on like feedback I've gotten, it seems like it's given people 
a point of entry to go deeper. And like something I've said, like my most recent reading, it was a Libra son in her fifth house. And we talked a lot about that and how she had this interesting dichotomy where she really wanted to individuate in like one part of her chart, but also there was this uh, tendency coming up over and over again to kind of like go along with the other. And she was like, that was really helpful for me. Uh, So that's, and that's my goal too, because the thing is when I do a reading for someone, I don't know them at all. Like I just know their chart. Um, And so I'm kind of just saying like, look, here's what I see and hoping based on whatever. And of course, sometimes they say like, I'm curious about relationships or I'm curious about work or whatever. But um, my, my hope is that it just gives them something to like a landing point to, to go deeper into whatever they came to me for. And I think that I do that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And I just love how you really, truly, like if you're looking for the entry point into your chart, I feel like you're the go-to person for this. Cause it, you, the way that you explain it is so incredible. Really. It demystifies a lot of, cause it can be a little, oh, I'm just going to say it. It can be a little overwhelming. It is. You got houses, signs, planets. And then two weeks ago, I had someone talking about asteroids on the show. Like there's so many like different directions you could take it in. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So Dana will help you figure it out for sure. Yes. All right. Is there anything else you want to share for listeners that are on their own healing or astrology journey, whichever? Yeah. So if you're getting into astrology, you're learning about your chart, my advice, and it's probably kind of obvious at this point would be to just take your time, like pace yourself. Don't feel like you, you might want to learn about everything all at once. You can't. Um, (laughs) And the things that you need to understand are going to reveal themselves in the right time. So I would also say that you don't need to start with like astrology 101. You don't need to start with your sun sign. If you look at your chart and you notice something that piques your interest, start with that. Like I have um, Mercury conjunct the North node. And that was something that I went, I looked at first. I felt like I needed to start with my sun sign, but now that I've like had time learning and um, formally learning too, I, I don't think that's necessary. So follow your gut, like do follow, study what you're interested in. And the right things are going to reveal themselves to you. And if you're on a healing journey and maybe like you're like, I can take or leave astrology, but you're just like here to heal, find a community. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you've already found a community, I I would say, which is great. But like, I can't say enough about finding people who are on the same path as you because this shit is lonely. Like it really is. And it makes it so much harder sometimes than it needs to be. There are so many other people that are doing this work too. You don't have to do it alone. So that would be like my, my advice to people is just find your, find your crew and um, it'll be okay. I love that. You're not alone. You find that community because you are not alone. Oh, so good. Oh, this makes me want to do like an astrology workshop. Like look up your chart together. Yeah. 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 Okay. So for listeners that want to follow along with what you're up to, how can they come find your offerings? So I am on the internet as self-help witch on Instagram. My website is selfhelpwitch.com and I have a podcast slash YouTube channel. Um, Don't judge my YouTube channel. Like (laughs) it's not great, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Like I'm not a professional like 
studio or anything, but I just, I take my talks that I publish as my podcast and I also do them on YouTube because I know some people prefer to watch instead of listen. So you can get the same talk either on YouTube or on any major podcast platform. And that's also called self-help, Witch. Um, I talk about astrology, I interview people and we talk about healing and I talk about self-help as well. Like my most recent talk was about how to start before you're ready. And love that. We do, or I like to do like both practical and spiritual ways to approach different elements of self-help. So that's kind of what I'm all about. I do offer birth chart readings. I also offer quarterly forecast reading packages right now. So um, I'd love to help you out if you're wanting to learn more about your birth chart. Amazing. Go check her out. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so fun. I loved it. Thank you so much. Yes, I loved it too. Glad we got to talk. Yeah, me too. That's it for today's episode. I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Dana of the Self-Help Witch for being on the show. Such a fun episode. I just loved the topics that we get into. I always love talking about sobriety. So I really appreciate just her vulnerability and sharing on the show. And I also loved her astro update. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, thank you for listening. And I do have a request for you. If you could take a moment and rate and review the podcast in the um, Apple Podcast app or even in Spotify, and they got like a little five-star rating right now, that would be amazing. I would really appreciate it. That helps to share these free resources to other people. It also helps for guests to come on the show so that they hear about the podcast. And it also helps us get sponsors. So thank you. They are wonderful help in supporting the show. And if you're feeling extra spicy, go ahead and share this episode with a friend. Maybe they want an astro update or they're learning astrology or maybe they're um, super curious, all the things. Share it with them. I'm sure they would appreciate it. My healing journey still consists of rock solid podcast episode recommendations from friends. So they will appreciate it and I will appreciate it. Everyone appreciates it. (laughs) All the things. All right. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. And please don't forget, I love you. I love you. I love you. Wherever you are on your own healing journey, please stay lit, lit AF, and I'll see you back here next week.